When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish, the podcast that encourages you to shoot for the mouths. Even if you miss, you'll land on the faces. Oh, God. <laughs> it's inspirational, Kyle. I know, right? <laughs> Every cum shot is a dream come true. <laughs> I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today, today, talking about fucking. Talking about fucking uh, and the good kind, because it's the gay kind. The gay kind. <laughs> We're talking about gay sex. Gay sexification. We have gay sex expert. A sex bird. I can't. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find an, a way around or something more clever, but you know. Hey, I'm shooting for the mouth on this one. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, it landed on your face, you're, so that's fine. You're t- <laughs> shooting for the paper towel um <laughs> uh yeah we are having dave quantic on his uh from the fruit bowl, bowl podcast uh, other, another seattle gay podcast yeah so yeah also about gay stuff also about gay stuff uh-huh. it's not about fruit or bowls just but, well it's about the fruit and and what is sex but a a, a bowl a beautiful bowl yeah <laughs> that, that we you know enjoy a bowl of popped cherries. <laughs> Maybe. That's my memoir's name. Um, but, be- before we start, but first. But first. I have a correction. Okay. And it's dire. I'm sh- as, as most of your corrections are. <laughs> when last week we were talking about Gossip Grill, uh-huh. I forgot to say my favorite part, which is their slogan, Home of the Two Finger Poor. <laughs> it makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Fingers go in vaginas. Sure, but like I would want it to be. I they they're so good with their names. Like it's just that two fingers. That's the joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I I guess that was worth it, Mike. <laughs> how do you how do you uh, let's do a little recap of that, of that correction? How do you feel about it? Just keep that paper towel handy. It's really. <laughs> um, I always do. Yeah. There's a fucking nasty paper towel by my bed. That's not true. <laughs> I bet it'd sell on like sexty for you know lots of money. That's Etsy for sex. Sexty, yeah. <laughs> what? Do, okay. Uh, news. Here's the news. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News. 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 Okay. News. The first. So a. Oh God damn it! Already. <laughs> Already, Kyle. There we go. It's a new laptop. Hey, let's do this part. Not in the news, though. Okay. The Trans Youth Project, who has been following 317 children across the United States and Canada who went through transition uh, between the ages of 3 and 12. They've been studying them since 2013, and they have released a study that shows that 95% of kids who transition at that age stay that gender. I I was too lost in my head singing you down with TYP. Um, uh, yeah, what, you know me. What, what ages were they again? So I missed them. It's, it's kids who transitioned between the ages of three and twelve. Okay, okay. 
That's really interesting. They, that, they that found group. that only 2.5% detransitioned, which mm. there's some controversy about that as a verb. Mm. I, I don't want to dig into that, but the 97.5% of them, uh, uh, the, the, the gender that they identify as, they, as the child, they stayed. That's up from mere moments ago when I know, it was when I said 95. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The number keeps going yeah. up. Yeah, there's a 95% I think in uh the in another Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um that we we talk about every time we do a research study how they ignore non-binary trans people and it's amazing to have a study specifically for trans people, specifically for trans kids. Um that's that's awesome. Yep. Yep, absolutely. My question is, do they have the reasons that people uh the the 2.5 percent do they do they outline why those cases are uh so the study (sighs) no um not in this article it was in the times anyway okay wait there's more article hold on um what i i've seen in from previous studies because i i saw this before so clearly wasn't from the same thing but some of the big reasons that people might detransition are not about i am not this gender or i it's it was it, it was it could have been social pressure or they didn't feel comfortable or like other n- things that were not about just is would this have been the right move for me if I lived in a perfect world where everyone was supportive so like even even the the small percentage of people who don't think it's right yeah. may not be f- it may be for other shitty reasons like the shitty people around him yeah and there's like any human endeavor. 97.5% is like might as well be a hundred really yeah. <laughs> like like the they're just outliers at that point yeah. as opposed to like yeah I don't know um so Christina Olson who's a psychologist at Princeton who led the study she said quote there's this sort of idea that the kids are going to be starting those things and that they're going to change their minds and at least in our sample we're not finding that hmm. um she did say that the study might not generalize to all trans kids Two-thirds of the participants were white, for example, and the parents tended to have higher incomes and more education than the general population, speaking to, like, your your points about amount of support and mm. acceptance in, in, you know, the, the, the child's environment. But uh, it, it, all, of the, all of the parents were supportive, at least enough to facilitate full social transition. Mm. And then things get more complicated when you add in medical interventions, which is not something the study was specifically looking at. There does seem to be maybe a correlation to detransitioning and medical intervention, hmm. but that needs to be studied with more um, vigor later. And yeah, they also noted that, which we already knew, that that autism and ADHD are, are very high in in this group. That there is a, for whatever reason, there are a lot of a lot of trans kids are are on the autism spectrum or have ADHD. That and um, it's just it's interesting. Yeah. Um, Without without saying why, it's an interesting thing that it comes with that cohort of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. They're not just changing their minds, you <laughs> dirty fuck faces. Yeah, yeah. This is not one of those things that you're like, you know, oh, and tomorrow I'm going to do this. Like this is big, even for kids. Like, and and there's a certain age where it's like, if you're fucking four years old and saying you're a different gender, like you're you're not. That's not because you. <laughs> wow, that hurt me at watching you. I thought I could suppress it. And it, 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 it snuck <laughs> out. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, the, you're allergic to transphobes. Um, so. <laughs> um, 
they're not like, yeah, they're not being, they're not watching the news and being like, oh, I might be a different gen. Like at that age, they just fucking know. Yeah. It's, it's so ingrained in who you are as a person. They just know. And I'm particularly interested in like the four year old, five year old range before they start school. Mm. It's, it's not. It's not that, like, the kids think it's cool and they're yeah. being trendy. That's the thing that teenagers do. Yeah, yeah, a four-year-old yeah. just wants to fucking play on the playground. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. like, they give zero fucks. Yeah. yeah. This is a good time to recommend the podcast, How to Be a Girl. If you haven't heard it, it's an amazing podcast where a mom follows her daughter who um, says that she's trans at the age of, like, three or something. Yeah. And yeah. is like, I want to go back in mommy's stomach because I came out wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot, but it's very good. Yeah. Okay. News of the second. Great. So, uh, oh, I'm going to fuck up her last name. Kyle, I've only read it. I've not heard her last name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Karine Jean-Pierre, who is a black lesbian and longtime LGBTQ plus activist, is going to be the new White House press secretary. Uh, Jen Psaki is stepping down. Um, it, it, and like the rumor has been that she's stepping down so she can go be on MSNBC. Mm, um, mm, but mm. Uh, yeah, so, so uh, she is the first... Um. Yeah, she's the period. Just, <laughs> just, just the first for all of the for all of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. First black person, first queer person to hold that position. So she's breaking two glass ceilings at the same time. Yeah. God, you break that one glass ceiling, and you're like, "Fuck!" There's another glass ceiling here. Why did we ever do double glass ceilings? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! When you... I wanted a sunroof. I... <laughs> Um, quote, Kareen not only brings the experience, talent, and integrity needed for this difficult job, but she will continue to lead the way in communicating about the work of the Biden-Harris administration on behalf of the American people. Man, I really wish they said she bought, brought charisma, uniqueness, what is it, uh, uh, something and, and talent is that from like, RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, I thought maybe it was the Girl Scouts or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're so, you're so, even I at least, charisma, uniqueness. Never mind. There's a thing she says, and it spells cunt, and I didn't realize it spelled out cunt until later, but it's, like, funny. Yeah, That's beautiful. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Now back to this important story about politics. Uh, uh, yeah, she has been the principal deputy press secretary for a while. She was the first... Uh, uh, she was the first out gay person to lead a White House press briefing um, when she was filling in for Saki and did did real well. So she's getting the nod. Glad President and CEO Sarah Kate Ellis released a statement saying, quote, she is a brilliant communicator and person of tremendous intelligence, humor and poise. That doesn't spell anything either, Kyle. Fuck. Uh, it's charisma, uniqueness, talent and nerve. It, wait, wait, that that spells cut. Mm. Cutting. Hold on. <laughs> this is not the important. I can't get. Okay. Sure. Anyway, congr- congrats and welcome, Kareen. That's exciting. That's really awesome. Yeah. Lesbians get shit done. Lesbians get shit done. News the last. Yeah. So I was, I've been chewing on how to do this story. And a lot of it is just going to be from like my limited experience here. Okay, You're I got making me so nervous. I got yelled at for mansplaining to a female lawyer, oh. but she didn't tell me why I was wrong. She just kept saying, "I am a lawyer," like Star Jones, like that was supposed to end the debate. And then I was trying not to be a dickbag about it, so I just had to bow out. But now I'm very nervous to talk about this. Where did where were you arguing with the lawyer? Facebook. Oh God. Um. Okay. Okay. So Roe v. Wade 
it looks like it's going to be overturned. For people who are following this that might be like overseas and know even less about our court system than Kyle, it, <laughs> uh, Roe versus Wade was a landmark decision that the Supreme Court made uh, in the early 70s that made it the law of the land that That abortion... you have to go through rivers in a very specific way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that you had two options. You can row or you can wade. You can row, you can take a <laughs> boat, or you can walk through. <laughs> and this was a landmark decision of how to get through. Guaranteed the right to an abortion. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to bring it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so it's it's been in place for a long-ass time, almost 50 years, and the Supreme Court heard a case about a Mississippi law challenging Roe v. Wade, and a draft opinion of the court was leaked to the press that shows that the Supreme Court is likely, assuming that nothing changes about the results, to overturn Roe v. Wade this summer, which then will relegate the decisions about abortion to the states, which, spoiler alert, some of the states fucking suck. Yeah. Yeah, they've been they've been making laws about abortion in spite of this being Roe v. Wade being the law. Like, so, you know, what's going to happen when they have even more uh, wiggle room? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a, a law is apparently already in the works in Louisiana that would make an abortion um, punishable as murder, as, as a homicide. Uh, and, and there are lots of states that have trigger laws. So they're just waiting. Like the bullet is already in the chamber. Mm. As soon as the decision is handed down, the law will change overnight in mm -hmm. those states because they're already ready. Anyway, so one thing about that decision is that the reason that abortion was a constitutional issue in the first place in the 70s was on the basis of privacy. The idea is that a woman's privacy is the anchor upon which a right to bodily autonomy sits and medical decisions when it comes to her and her healthcare provider. It is also privacy. That is the reason that sodomy is legal nationwide. It's the reason behind marriage equality being the law of the land. And so... The fuck is that? It's my phone. That's the Supreme Court calling. <laughs> You're not allowed to talk about this yet. The queer community has been freaking out about what's next yeah but i read this article Free, i mean freaking out fairly because stated in there are objections to uh obergefell obergefell v hodges yeah and and uh um that that uh that butt sex one what's that one called lawrence v texas lawrence v texas yeah but this one person that i read an article by uh steph black is her name and uh she wrote an article in the advocate just a couple of days ago that gave me something to think about, which is queer people need to care about Roe v. Wade because it affects queer people. <laughs> She's sort mm -hmm. of making the argument that like, sure, white cis gay dudes are all freaking out about marriage equality. In the meantime, there are menstruating queer people who can potentially get pregnant, who, especially people of color yeah. who are hurting now because of this decision, not the one that comes later. Yeah. So it's yeah. like focus on focus on the now shit, even though, yes, you're right. It might open the door for some other bad shit down the line. Pull your heads out of your ass, white cis gay mm -hmm. dudes, and care about this because it matters now to our community. Yeah. Um, trying to separate like getting pregnant as being a thing that breeders do, I think is also mm. part of what's happening here is just, it's just not true. So 
Uh, she's a queer woman, and um, she she says, uh, quote, maybe it seems counterintuitive because of the stereotypical idea of queer or same-sex partnerships involving people of the same gender, but that is not always the case. Uh, AFAB, non-binary people, trans men, bisexual, and pan women who date cis men are just some examples of those in the LGBTQ plus community who may need access to abortion care if they get pregnant and don't want to be. Yeah. Um, it, and it that doesn't even include your lesbian friends who are with each other, who conceive via donor sperm, have an ectopic pregnancy, or your gay co-worker's surrogate who receives a devastating fatal diagnosis. It's the people you love. Don't forget to fight for them, too, while you make noise about marriage equality. Hmm. Um she says, uh, not all pregnancies come about consensually. According to the CDC, 46% of bi women have experienced rape. Jesus Christ. Which, while the figures are 17% for straight women and 13% for lesbians. So wow, the, the, rate, the, the rate of sexual assault is like triple in bisexual women. I had no idea. That's fucking insane. Yep. Um, and access to abortion care is crucial for them, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so just... I guess a little bit of awareness and some th thought like gay people, you, this is our community yeah. now, yeah. not the decision that comes later. Care about Roe v. Wade, write to your legislators, donate money to uh, feminist organizations that are uh, trying to stop this. Look into volunteering. I'm going to post a list of organizations somewhere because there's a lot of them. Mm. Um, not, not the least of which is ACLU. Mm. The ACLU is an important one, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'll post a list of of uh, useful charities to give money to. To Just, where? Mm -hmm. You'll post it where? On our website. On our website. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's it. That's the news. That's the news. Uh, we're going to post the following people to our website. That's incorrect. But uh, thank you to the following Patreon members who contribute to help make our lives happen. Patreon. Making lives happen today, tomorrow, and yesterday. Thank you to Jamie Odell. Uh, there's no apostrophe if that's important to anyone. Uh, Ginger Benjamin. Gin oh. Ginger Benjamin. Ginger Benjamin. Oh, there's no space there's there. There's no space there. Uh, Diego. It's a hot name. Sands. I wish. Um, is he nominated for anything? Probably. I don't think so. Let's, uh, let's, I don't think let's, I, let's meet him. I, that would be ideal. Spell um, meet. I, <laughs> um, and Will able or willable if you combine it willable <laughs> uh <laughs> thank you for supporting us if you want to support us go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast your computer oh yeah thank you everybody as you may or may not have heard at the beginning of uh our portland show and then again at the beginning of our seattle show my laptop rebooted and it is a critical piece of infrastructure for the whole show but especially for our live shows uh so so patreon bought me a new laptop which yes. i feel kind of guilty about but i thank you very very much it's it's super needed which i need yeah awesome which is like literally the point of patreon is we use that money to make the show better and our laptops not crashing is like kind of i mean other than us talking with our mouths it, like that's number two to making a good show is having a laptop that records the words we say so like yeah. that's the entire point so if, if we have jaw surgery do you think patreon should chip in for that oh i mean i have tms <laughs> so at some point something's gonna have to have to happen so maybe yeah. maybe do you want to talk about gay sex let's talk about gay sex <laughs> okay um one thing i want to do before dave gets here is i have something for you what Oh, thanks. 
The Contemporary Dictionary of Sexual Euphemisms by Jordan Tate. <laughs> this is one of the many books we talked about uh, a few episodes ago. And you mentioned that one as we need to have that one. And this is, I thought I ordered it uh, after <laughs> after we recorded that. This is lovely. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, yeah, no problem. I'm going to read one. Yeah, do it. Little Dutch Boy. Noun. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it could be potentially problematic in a, a bunch of different ways, but go for it. Uh, definition one, a male child of small stature of or from the Netherlands. Well. Number two, a smaller diminutive male child who hails from the region of Europe, formerly a British colony, which was formed as the independent monarchy known as the Netherlands in, in Did I get you the wrong book? This is not. <laughs> Number three, a sexual act whereby the male ejaculate is quickly spread over the skin to cause an even distribution. <laughs> Why would that be called that? Because Dutch Boy is also a kind of paint. Oh. The little Dutch Boy began as a reference to the spreading of semen in a manner that reflected the spreading of paint. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a treasure trove that's going to keep on giving, I, Kyle. I, I thought it might be. I thought it might be. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, that can go in, our, uh, in the studio somewhere. <laughs> gay sex. Yeah, gay sex. Uh, we'll we'll talk to Dave more about his podcast and and but he is an expert in the area as he has interviewed lots of people about their sex lives and so he is you know even more than us who are qualified just by virtue of we sometimes have gay sex yeah. uh, he has talked to plenty of people about their sex lives and yeah we'll uh, we'll we'll see what he has to say about kind of the gay perspective on sex and what he's learned from people yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you want to know specifically from him? Are you hoping that, like, maybe I'll ask him about my prostate. I, no, I, I won't do that. But, uh, <laughs> do you, maybe you'll have him uh, do a little medical exam? Oh, no, that's not happening. I mean. Even for Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> I thought <that> <laughs> uh, Totally unqualified, but sure. It's, uh, it's like a, unqualified with Anna Ferris for giving <laughs> prostate exams. <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I'm just curious about like, what are some of the themes that come up when you talk to people about sex and, mm. you know, what, what are some of the things he's learned? And I'm going to ask him about some of the wildest stories he's heard. Cause he's heard from a variety of people. Um, fucking Dan was on one of his episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he's talked to Dan. So he's talked to some wild folks with some stories to tell. So, um, I don't know. Is there anything you want to learn or? Yeah. I want to hear the crazy shit. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I want to know, I want to know like. What's something that seems super crazy, but is actually like pretty mainstream? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's like shit people do that just everyone does and no one talks about. And it's like, like we went to fetish night last night at CC's, which happens the first Saturday of every month. And we sat in what we discovered was the diaper zone. Yeah. There were so many dudes in diapers. Lots there. of diapers. Like I thought it was kind of a niche thing. No, there was like a lot of them. I, I, I th it had been before the pandemic. The last time that I went to one of the fetish nights, and there was one dude that was walking around in a diaper. So I, yeah, I did not know like this. Now there was a, a, an entire section. Are they contagious? Are diapers contagious? D yeah. it, check check yourself for diapers <laughs> check your friends for diapers they'll latch on to you oh man um no i don't know i i'm excited to talk more about this this is something that like we you know either talk about casually on the show or you know for some people i think uh, don't talk about it with 
friends because there's a whole lot of shame associated with sex in general, much less gay sex. That's kind of built into the making people feel shitty about their lives as gay people. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So I'm excited to just like, let's just talk about this stuff and put it out there and be open about it. And I think we need to do more of that to make people safer, make people happier, make people healthier. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Well, let's, we're going to take a break and when we get back, we'll have Dave Quantic from fruit bowl with us. Yeah. Should we take a break? Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Sex break. No. (laughs) No. Fuck. Oh, no, no, stop. Don't Kyle. (laughs) This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. <laughs> we're back. Um, oh, my God. I'm so excited for gay sex. Yes. <laughs> um, we're here with Dave Quantic from the Fruit Bowl podcast. It is an oral history of queer sex. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's gay podcasters in Seattle. There there aren't too many of us, but this is the first time we're sitting down. Yeah. So thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. Well, yeah, what 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 bar might we have run into you at? Like we were right? we were saying before the show that like it's interesting that we've never met yeah. before. Oh, yeah, where, that, where <laughs> are you in in just in Seattle? I'm a bear, I guess. So, and I live close to Diesel, so okay. I'd say that's probably where I go most. And then Cuff, and yeah. then Pony. Those okay. are my three mainstays. And then occasionally CC's, which is closer to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we were there last night. That is it's, it, within oh, stumbling. How distance. was it? It was fetish night was, last night. Yeah, it was great. It yeah. was great. Yeah, we ended up. Uh, we, we we were talking at the top of the show. We uh, accidentally sat in the ABDL section. The what is that? adult baby diaper lover? Oh wow! Okay, I didn't realize it had a separate section. Yeah, like they, neither did we. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were informed. Like, yeah, you guys are in the diaper zone. Okay, like, um, okay. Yeah, like uh, one of the guys we were there with started talking to a Dalmatian, <laughs> and who was and he was like, "Yeah, you're in the diaper section," and we were like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and he started like break. It was like Mean Girl style. Like, wow, this is where these people go, and this is where those people go. I didn't know it was so like I. I just thought we were all fetishing together. Yeah, apparently I, it's segregated like a junior high dance in yeah, there. Yeah, I didesn't know any of this. <laughs> Same as so so glad I know now. <laughs> a quick note about Diesel: I've not been in a really long time, but it's because I can only drink beer at Diesel because anything else knocks me on my fucking ass because yeah. the drinks are so strong. Yeah, but I'm not drinking beer because I'm doing keto. So now I just don't go to Diesel, right? Which is sad because I miss it. I like it there. Oh. <laughs> you just order a drink from them, like a vodka soda, then order a soda, and then order an empty third glass, <laughs> yes. and that's and and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of none of this, okay, you have filmed over sixty interviews as part of your goal to put together a documentary about queer sex. Your goal is a hundred interviews. Why the topic of gay sex why is that of interest why did you why is this so important to you to talk to other people about the topic of sex well um because so few of us do it in any real meaningful way with each other um that's really the main reason maybe that's not true of everyone's friend set uh, i i'm sure we all have friends who we dish about and tell our secrets to and <laughs> tell about our most recent hookup gone wrong you know and and my goal is to have the pod 
feel like that, like you're talking to your best friend about sex. Yeah. Um, but really, I also like to say that sex is just a jumping off point and that some of the more important and more interesting parts of the pod to me are the introductions to people's life and where they grew up. And that has everything to do with family and culture and community. But those kinds of themes aren't the kinds of themes that get people to listen, (laughs) you know? Um, So I just, I say it's an oral history of sex, but it's really about coming of age and, and the ways in which we discover our preferences and, and identities about sex um, as queer people, which I think is a completely unique process to what straight people do, you know, because a lot of what we do is in private. And, and that's why I like the, the growing up part. And Mm. I, I didn't used to do that when I first started, but now it's my favorite part of each interview because you realize that, I mean, almost all of us did go through that part of our lives completely alone, you know, unless we had parents who were super chill or a sibling or a best friend we came out to, but that's not really the case for a lot of queer people. We were in the closet. Even now today, there are people who are in the closet until they graduate high school. Yeah. So it's interesting. You talk about, you know, a lot of people don't have these kinds of conversations. And I, and I do think of the gay community as more, uh, it's interesting. I uh, originally I was like, you know, gay people probably talk about this more, talk about sex more. But then you're also talking about like, but when, but it it does not at all start. Even if that is true of some people now, it didn't. You're right. It doesn't start that way. It starts very alone. Yes. <laughs> Learning this information alone and from the the venues that are usually available, yeah. at least on the internet, is it's like, a scary prospect. I mean, it is the internet. Yeah. That's where people learn now. Yeah. And and yes, that is a little frightening. Yeah. But um I do think it's cool that things like Gayish exists and Fruit Bowl and and also there's just so much more diverse media now and a lot of it is very good at um introducing people to ideas and concepts and and talking about stuff. So I'm I'm really excited about uh, what I do and I wish I could do it all the time but I can't make a living at it quite yet right <laughs> right podcasting not necessarily where all the money is at right. <laughs> um, you talked about the the background being the the most interesting part now what what's your background where did you first learn about sex <laughs> um, I am 49 I'm so I came of age at, before the internet was a thing and and it was in high school in a small suburban town in Kansas um, so like not a lot of queer culture there. Yeah. Not, not any, <laughs> um, you might've been the queer I, culture. I think I was, <laughs> and, and I was pretty gay in high school, like, <laughs> like, but never out, yeah. you know, yeah. but like I tell people like my junior and senior year of high school, I did not have a girlfriend and I didn't try to get one. <laughs> so I might've had, I might as well had gay written on my forehead. <laughs> Um, but there were other gay people in my high school. None of us ever talked to each other. Mm-hmm. I was very, very alone. Um, I cruised public bathrooms as a kid mm-hmm. <laughs> in in high school. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That seems early to, to me. It was, but again, like I had no outlet for information. Mm-hmm. I needed to talk to people. Um, and yes, occasionally I would suck a dick here and there. It was never something that was really um, okay. Well, it re- occasionally would would verge into more sexual 
activities rather than just blowjobs and stuff. But really, I, I look at that time in my life as a search for information, you mm. know, um, yeah, pre-internet, how do you even find where the cruising happens? Uh, bathroom walls. <laughs> Just... Yeah. And and also like the innate gay um, sort of homing device where you're like, <laughs> you pass a public park and you're like, hmm, I see a lot of men in their cars. I wonder what they're doing. It looks like they're just looking at each other. <laughs> and so I would go back to those parks and also park and I would meet those guys and um, not a lot of talking. But it did make me feel less alone. Yeah. You know. Were you, I mean, were you old enough to give consent? This, that seems like a. Yeah. Um, I was definitely underage. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That yeah. seems potentially a, could be a dangerous. It was dangerous. Huh. I, I got really scared now and then. I once had a guy follow me home. Oh. <gasps> Um, on his motorcycle, I literally had to lose him. Like it was a scene out of a movie with a car chase. <laughs> like, oh my god, was he threatening you? Like, was he after you? Um, well, do you know what this person's I intentions were? I don't. I just remember being really fucking scared. Yeah, and um, yeah, that was not fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, I, I wanted to ask about the the set of people that you're interviewing. Yeah. All genders, all sexualities. Yeah, it, it, does it run the gamut? It, it does. I'm I'm really trying hard to get all different types of queer people from all different backgrounds, yeah. and and you know I can always do better. I do have a skewed sort of base of interviewees who are mostly cis white guys. Yeah. You know, but because I've been trying more outreach i have been getting more success um uh i have a salty lesbian (laughs) who is in her 60s coming up she's also a friend of mine so she won't mind if i call her salty (laughs) Um, she would agree with me she's also super kinky and i have an elder coming up um he describes himself as that so again (laughs) he would not be insulted if he knew that um he's a super cool guy um, he he came of age in in New York City and met his boyfriends at the Y. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. classic. Um, <laughs> I have a trans woman coming up. Yeah, so I, I I try not to get too tokeny when it comes to people's sort of surface description, and I never say no to anyone, especially cis gay men, because <laughs> like I feel like everyone should share their stories, and the people who I think I know what their story is. I'm almost always wrong, you know, and Mm. cis gay men, cis gay white men are very diverse in terms of their background. Mm. Like I've interviewed people who had to go through conversion therapy, Mm. um, people who cruised the porn theaters in uh, Times Square, you know, um, people whose parents were super cool. And, you know, so I feel like everyone is diverse in some part of their story. They have something that they've experienced that is completely unique to them. I want to like, I, I'm still on this, like this, there's a, a scary part of when, especially pre-internet learning from going to cruising spots and clearly like that, you had a scary experience. I'm curious to other people talking about where, like, where are people learning information yeah. about 
gay sex and and what are what what do people learn that's like either totally wrong or, or do people like end up getting the right information uh, like where yeah. do people learn this oh my gosh it's just so varied you know of course right now it's mostly the internet that people learn things um but is it mostly porn then is that yes and no oh, okay. like i feel like the 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 queer media landscape now is so diversified and rich that you could get it all from netflix you know Mm. or you not that you should um (laughs) or or podcasts or books um or magazines or 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 internet things that aren't porn like queerty or pink news you know that there are lots lots of queer media um outlets that people get information from so yes it is porn um and you know no matter what people know or don't know Inevitably, their first hookup is going to be um, it's going to be fraught in some sense. Yeah. You know, something's going to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of my favorite questions is like, what's your most embarrassing hookup? You know, um, and almost a, always somebody has some horror story. I mean, <laughs> and it doesn't always have to be scary. It's usually a pretty funny story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, there are some things that are traumatizing, but not always. That's interesting. A commonality is like your first hookup is probably not going to be yeah. amazing, right? <laughs> Usually, people don't use lube. It's funny you you wrote you were like just writing down for us like some of the things you've learned and it, part of things to learn. Like lube was like important enough that you explicitly wrote like people don't use enough lube is no like, or or any if if at all. Oh boy, yeah. A first hookup with no lube, especially if you're like gay dudes, like. Yeah, that's the oh boy. The least believable part of Brokeback Mountain, if you ask me. <laughs> like the, but he, but he did a good spit. So you know, I, used something. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like first love. It's like coming of age. You know, the first of anything is going to be big, and you're probably going to remember it in pretty specific detail. Yeah. I think that's another thing I like asking people. Is they're like because I give them the list of questions before I meet them. So they've had time to remember and I'm still remembering stuff Mm. that happened to me. Mm. And I've been editing this project for the last four years, you know, and I've been making a master list of myself so that I can re re interview myself. And, Mm. um, it is amazing how much I've forgotten, but then when I'm triggered or I, I remember something I can remember like it was yesterday, Mm. you know? And I think that's because sex is so important to us especially as queer people we we really want to get it right we want it to be fun and um it just takes a while it takes a while to do that yeah it's interesting i i think about this a lot mike something that you said is especially when you were wrestling with your sexuality your first hookup made you go back in the closet oh yeah yeah that's true yeah way back in college like i didn't come out until i was 30 but i had a a date mm-hmm. i was like 20 21 yeah and uh i think i sought somebody out that was going to be bad mm-hmm. so that, like on some level mm-hmm. so that i could tell myself oh this gay sex thing is not for me and go back into the closet yeah but he's really he's really pushy and um kind of aggressive with me and was a bad kisser like i just it was yeah eh. and so then like i wouldn't say that it set me back 10 years but like i definitely had a less than awesome first experience and then let that keep me in the closet. Um, yeah, I've heard that same scenario 
Really? Uh, numerous times, yeah. Which, uh, I, I think of that because I think it's important to know that your first, you know, what you're saying, your first sexual experience is in some way probably not going to be incredible. And mm. especially if you don't have the support in coming out or, you know, you're looking for a reason to not be gay or you're, you know, whatever's going on for you because of the the lack of support and structure we have for people, they may not know that the like people need to know your first hookup is not like, am I gay or not? Yeah. Like if it's an amazing, you're gay. And if it's not, you're, you're, you're not. And yeah, I wish more people knew that. And, and slightly related the fact that when my ex-wife and I, when, when we had sex and I was able to have sex with her, mm. then that also then, opened the door to being straight big yeah. old air quotes around straight yeah but yeah right like, dicks and stuff feels good doesn't matter right right yeah yeah it's just it was just interesting because i'm definitely not straight but like <laughs> the, the the fact that i was able to have an orgasm with her like then turned into this oh i can't i can do it i can do this yeah i, I can make myself be straight or well, could you could you accept bye at the time like was was that an option um, I've never had that as like an identity for myself. I've always been pretty solidly out to myself as gay okay. and just damn determined not to be. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought you came out as bi at first. I mean, to her. Did I? Like, oh, okay. it was, okay. I was, I was lying. <laughs> I was lying to, to myself. I was lying to her. I was lying to everybody. You know, I, I've actually had zero success right now so far in, in convincing a bisexual male to come on the show. Mm. Interesting. Like, Cause I just, I don't think they see the upside to it. Hmm. It's easy for them to just pass as straight mm. or to most people. They know that's my assumption. Maybe I'm just not asking the right bisexuals. Um, I am working on it though. Also, not a lot of lesbians uh, will volunteer. Mm. I have to, I have to do more outreach, more intentional asking of people I know and referrals. Cause uh, again, not a lot of upside for, for lesbians to, announce their sexual histories in a public space you know hmm. there's a lot of judgment on women who are sexual and who are out about it lots of bisexual women have interviewed i mean lots there, there's been a better representation of them hmm. um and again maybe with women like unlike bi men like bi women maybe it's in their best interest to be out and talk about it because you know People might just assume that they're hetero and they yeah. actually want to date women too. So yeah, bi erasure really is a thing, right? But like they like can also bi erase themselves yeah. by by just looking outwardly hetero, right? Yeah. Um, uh, we had Chris and Shana from Bad Queers on, and they talked about scissoring. So they clearly are down for like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't we can't book them on your show, but like it's, it's a good referral. <laughs> we might, maybe. Yeah, we might have yeah. some references. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. I love hearing from people who are interested and, and people who, who know people that, that really is how I find most of my interviewees now. I mean, I get people uh, contact me to contact me through the uh, website mm. portal. Um, most of them are not in town mm. and I do prefer to go in person and, and film people mm. in their homes, usually in their bedrooms and, and for an interview, not for sex right. for everyone <laughs> listening. That's right. <laughs> and, um, so it's because I am prepping this as documentary, mm -hmm. you know, that I film everyone. So doing remote interviews is not ideal. How 
much room do you make for anonymizing the person? Like, is is it the full on their identity, face, voice, or or will you make accommodations if somebody was like, I want to talk about this, but I don't want to be outed? I will accommodate everything except for adjusting their voice because uh-huh. I just think I don't feel like that would feel authentic if you were listening to a, a, a an adjusted vocal pattern yeah then it just sounds it just feels like dateline then yeah (laughs) and 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 that's hard to listen to for like a whole hour's worth of podcast interview about stuff that's super personal yeah one one guy requested anonymity like no name because his job doesn't allow him to do media outside of his own personal job actually that was the interview that was based on my latest um short film that i've created from the fruit bowl archive and and that's been going around to different festivals like the last two years so that's been super fun Hmm. um it's called Stephen and james best girlfriends and (laughs) it's about this guy Stephen, who who came of age in pre-internet pre-giuliani years in in new york city before they cleaned up midtown and 42nd street and they still had the porn theaters and he met his best friend at a sex club <laughs> and the the film the the short film's all about their shenanigans they get up to as gay men do mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. fun that's cool <laughs> you're starting to talk about some of the fun like we've talked about the sad the heavy the feeling alone but there's also yeah. lots of uh, fun wild crazy things what are some of the wildest stories you've heard from people <laughs> yeah i do want to just stress that like while a lot of the interviews are pretty heavy and serious, there's a lot of really funny, fun stuff. Queer people have a very funny perspective on sex. I think at some point you do have to sort of laugh at the whole thing because um, it is a little bit ridiculous. Um, we're not making babies in the traditional sense. <laughs> so there are a lot of fun hookup stories. And I, I also feel like as queer people, when we look back on our lives, we're much more forgiving of ourselves and we, we do have compassion and we are able to laugh at it because it's like, what else are you going to do really? Mm-hmm. Um, some of the funnier stories I've had in season three, Mike, he's a Vietnamese American and uh, he took like sort of a gay rum springer, <laughs> 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 which by the way is a scenario I've heard more than once from people oh. who, who do just come out. They, they have like a little road trip they give themselves or they they, they have a summer where they're just like, you know, I'm going to just fuck as many people <laughs> as I can mm-hmm. and just figure this thing out. I'm like, that is a really great idea. <laughs> just I feel like everyone should do this, you know? <laughs> and, um, he went to Canada and hooked up with a guy, another bottom, and they used a double-ended dildo, oh. and That's... it got lost up inside <gasps> him. Oh no! Yeah, it got stuck inside him. Yeah, got to use that flanged base. Yeah, kids. it didn't have one because it was for. <laughs> well, I, I would think double-ended. One of the benefits would be like. There's two people it's inside, so less likely to get lost in one person. What happened? He had to go to the an emergency room, like more than one emergency room. Um, Wait, why Why more than one? They couldn't... Because the first one didn't have the right doctor or the right facilities oh, to take no. care of it. Oh, and, my God. And the guy who he had hooked up with, who he'd never met before, was like freaking out, freaking out the whole time. <laughs> you know, and uh, Mike is a very like... He's always on task. Like he's, he's just like a very like smart, 
he's the person you would want in an emergency <laughs> if you got a dildo stuck inside you. So, like, he had to calm down the guy, you know, even though he's the one with the dildo in him. And uh, eventually it, they, they did not have to, cert, like, operate, thank, uh. thankfully. But it, it's a it's a pretty harrowing story. But he's, he, he tells it in a very funny way um how do you get how do you non-surge if if a dildo is so stuck in you that you go somewhere like then that's not just like reach in deeper try a little how do you how do you get a dildo out i guess you're just gonna have to listen to the (laughs) (laughs) well and whose dildo was it if this is a random hookup he's like is he just is he just along for the ride to make sure he gets his dildo back (laughs) yeah did someone get the dildo back or do you (laughs) good question i have a a feeling maybe it was mike's okay yeah he's very prepared although he wasn't prepared to get a dildo stuck inside him so that's a fun story <laughs> um jerry from season one talks about also he 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 was somebody from the pre-internet age he hooked up with this banker dude in long island and while he was fisting a guy the guy's dog like falls over dead <gasps> while they're, <laughs> while they're fucking oh no and like the guy freaks out yeah like the the dog literally just goes plop you know and the guy freaks out and, and gets up off the bed and runs and my friend jerry's arm is still inside oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and he knocks his head against a side table on the bed and it like starts bleeding oh my god so these are extreme stories yeah <laughs> yeah that sounds like it'd be in a movie like bridesmaids yeah. 2 or something <laughs> like i don't yeah i actually want to make a short film about that one cuz it's it's like and he's told the story so many times. Also, he has an amazing Long Island accent. So it's like it's like your Jewish mom telling you <laughs> this really crazy story. Um, and and that, that's another thing I like about this project is that it's it's crazy stories, but it's told from the first person, and it's it really is like it shows you how good storytellers queer people are, you mm. know. Like, I just think it's it's something special that we have, you know, and there's also very sweet stories about first love. There's there's very touching, sad stories about first love, too, you know, and and I think all those are important. And yeah, there's there's lots of different uh, kinds of storytellers, too, you know, and and I think as long as they feel and they come from a very authentic place, they're they're very fun to listen to. Because it feels like you're, yeah, like your best friend is talking to you. What are some of the things you've found in common among all the different people you've interviewed? One thing that almost all of us have in common is the fact that, like, our parents didn't ever want to have any conversation with us about sex. <laughs> and that that's true for straight people, too. But, um, yeah, it's very rare that, that our parents have any kind of uh, discussion about it. Um, I don't know why that that jumps out at me every single time, but I, I guess it's because I'm like, gosh, if if even if just parents made a small um, attempt at some kind of clarity with their kids, that actually might really help out. But I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't because maybe it would probably be geared towards straight sex, and oh. that that can be a little bit. Um, disappointing if the parents are only really framing it in a straight way oh one thing one thing i've really learned 
through producing and, and conducting all these interviews is just how fucking tough queer people are, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Um, like I felt, I feel like it's, we're, we're made to be that way just by the process of being queer by ourselves without any help and realizing it by ourselves and then trying to move forward and adjusting accordingly as you go. You have to think fast on your feet. You know, um, a lot of that has to do with like having to deceive people Mm -hmm. when you do decide that you are gay and you, you realize it rather, but also just like, I mean, I've heard some really tough stories about people's home life and their, their background. And just the fact that they're sitting in front of me talking about sex in a really open and honest way that, that alone shows you a huge journey that they've gone through, you know, and the people who've had a really tough time way harder than me ever often have the most interesting and effective things to say about sex. Cause they really have like thought really hard about it. Yeah. And it's something that they've decided on being really open and honest about, and they really want to share information with people. So I find that incredibly powerful and touching. You talked about there are people that have had the hardest experiences that have learned the most and, and want to share that. What, what you outside of use lube, what yeah. other types of things would you want people to learn about sex Yeah, from either those stories or whatever you, you've learned? Yeah. One thing I've learned is that we are in a constant state of evolution and change and that's okay like you can decide one day that you don't want to bottom anymore or that maybe you don't want to bottom with this particular partner that can change that you can you can grow and and evolve as you see fit as a queer person and you're not like stuck in a column that you can't get out of mm-hmm. you know and i've i've found that the people who are most accepting of that are the most successful um when it comes to being satisfied with their 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 queer lives and also it's also the most helpful when it comes to being with your partner and and having a partner who's willing to change and evolve and have things shift and change like that's that's key you know and i'm saying i could be a power top someday (laughs) yes (laughs) great (laughs) can't wait (laughs) any day now (laughs) I, I, i do like to say pretty often that like i think that top and bottom should be verbs not nouns that that making them nouns really boxes people in and they then because of that identity they don't feel free to do other stuff and um i i wonder how many people out there are sort of miserable and don't realize it because they've locked themselves in because of the identity of having a label like power top or or whatever yeah i Um, think in that regard it is unfortunate that so much of our profiles and identities are are determined by apps mm-hmm. you know and checking boxes i think that that alone really forces people into columns mm-hmm. um i mean you can check off more than one definition <laughs> but i also just think it's part of our culture we want the quick read we want a a, a fast answer about what this hookup may or may not include which you know is not unreasonable mm-hmm. but it's also kind of kill spontaneity and, and evolution and change. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did want to ask if your project has given you any insights into what counts as sex. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. That's interesting. Cause one of my questions is what was your first time like? Mm-hmm. And I have to say 
in the interview, I'm like, this can be all of them. <laughs> like, cause like queer people have a lot of firsts, you know? And I yeah. think that in, in heteronormativity, there is PIV, PIV. <laughs> like if you don't fuck somebody in the vagina, then you're still a virgin. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's not true for queer people. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people's first is their first kiss. It could be their first blowjob. Um, you know, a lot of people do still think that fucking is, is sort of the, the final step to, to being, but you know, there's lots of queer people who don't have anal intercourse. Like it's, it's not a standard thing. Um, or it's not something that people would be first on their list, you know? So I think that it is important to, to be explicit when I ask questions like, and we do go over a lot of numerous first like <laughs> i don't allow them just one i'm like we have to go through all of them if they want to yeah. you know because i think it's super super important yeah i mean yeah the the idea of virginity once you once you make it gay people yeah. you know two women two men like okay we've already broken the idea that this is a penis and vagina sex scenario and virginity like what even what is that like just the idea that virgin and then not and and yeah. like before and after and a one-time thing all that starts to go out the window yes like there is this threshold with with straight people yeah i I don't know i'm kind of envious of it but i'm really not like Hmm. i think it's much more interesting to be upfront with yourself and say there are levels of engagement that have different degrees of intimacy that seems completely logical to me and i mean it is really true with straight people like first base, second base, third base. Why else would they have those? I just feel like they love baseball. Straight people love baseball. (laughs) I don't even understand it. What are these bases? Um, But like, there's not really that clarity with, with queer people. Um, I don't even really think there's clarity with straight people either. I don't, I think you could ask a lot of straight people what the different bases are and they would each have a different answer for you. So I think with, with queer people, because we are outside of sort of the accepted cultural definition of, of relationships early on in our lives, we're okay with doing things off script and on our own terms and, that should be embraced. I think that's super cool that queer people have that ability to be defining intimacy on their own terms. Yeah. You know, you mentioned being envious though of of straight people. What part of it are you envious of? Well, obviously I think the the quick answer would be that there, they can be upfront and out with their own personal sexual journey at a much early age without any shame. I mean, shame, I mean, fruitful is when it comes down to it, it is a lot about shame and about refusing it learning how not to have it, accepting your, your identity and your sexuality and embracing it and celebrating it. And so much of that is has, has to do with letting go of shame, yeah. you know, and, and as so hard to do, yeah. but when people do it, it's like super exciting you know and i asked them a lot about that that moment um and that i've had a lot of people just talk about that um which i think is super helpful to to listeners the moment of of letting go of the yes. shame of it yeah i mean a lot of people i had this moment i don't know about you guys but there was a moment in high school i was still cruising bathrooms i was still super 
insecure about my identity, but I clearly remember a day in my bedroom looking in the mirror and saying, you are gay. Mm. Like, and just like the powerful acceptance of that Mm. and knowing how, knowing that after that fact, my life was going to be much, much different. Mm. Like that's super powerful. And I feel like a lot of us went through that all by ourselves and, and hearing other people's stories about how they've done that and accepted themselves is, is super powerful. So I do think there's a reason that almost every gay person I've ever talked to, like we get to the coming out story. Yeah. First conversation, right? Sure. Like that's just a, it's a shared trauma that everybody wants to talk about and connect over because it's yeah. so fundamental to our existence mm-hmm. or for most of our existence anyway. Yeah. I th- I, there's, there is something unique and special about, and, and I sometimes forget it when I sit down with only gay people with a group of gay people. There's something that, and I, I think it's this, you don't have to worry even with like friends or whatever. Like you, you just, you just have a, a layer that we're, we're taking away any kind of, I don't have to worry if anyone's okay with this or if anyone knows what I'm going through or have gone through or we don't even have to like they don't even have to remember like there's gay parts that they don't understand like we're just all immediately on a certain same page that is so like there's a little bit of a weight that I don't even remember is there that's lifted and it's 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 very nice to have like so having like your gay group your gay friends gay people that you are just get to sit down with there's just like a mm-hmm. i don't know there's there's a deep sigh of relief that i feel or a, like a joy that i feel from doing that yeah. yeah i i hope that our projects i think both tap into that and i really hope listeners feel that same thing when they listen to fruit bowl I I get it when I listen to gayish. It really is very, it's like listening to your friends, you know, and there's, <laughs> there's uh, a shared background, like what you're saying, yeah. you know, and I think it's, it's cool how you guys have sort of broken down the queer experience into different themes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I th- yeah, I think that's something that's super valuable about what you're doing is not everyone is out has met their you know gay group or gay friend or can mm-hmm. talk about these things so to have you know not the same experience but as cl- as close as we can replicate podcasts are great at that yeah because you get to just hear these voices talking so i think that's so valuable people can get you know as close as they can come without you know anyone has access to this and can do it with without any additional coming out or going out and meeting people or, or like they, they can just have that experience right there. So I think that's really cool what you're doing. Yeah. I, and that's why I think it is super important that I get a real deep diversity mm-hmm. of voices. So yeah. I continue to work really hard at that. And, and you know, it's, it's hard to stop. Like, I don't know when I'm going to stop doing this. I might <laughs> just do it for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, do it until you don't want to. Right? <laughs> yeah. but just the, like sex. Just like sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did we do it? I mean, I'm looking at my list and um but I mean, do you see anything on the list that you want to touch on? No, no, okay. I think we covered. We really did. Yeah. Gay sex. <laughs> Have it. <laughs> Have it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break. <laughs> So, so are we back? We're back. We're back. 
Uh, we are going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest, but first, Dave, where can people find out more about you, more about Fruit Bowl? Tell us all the things. Well, it's easy just because it's one thing. Um, I have a, a website, fruitbowlpodcast.com, and you can go there and find all the different links to the different platforms where you can listen to Fruit Bowl. And you can also contact me if you're interested in contributing your story or if you have a referral for me um, or if you just have questions about the the project and the process. Um, I love communicating with listeners and hearing people. I also have started getting submissions for quick, short submissions, like little short stories um, that are less than five minutes. I've really been pushing this lately, trying to get people to just send in something, you know, if you're, if you're not in the same city as me, or if I'm not going to come to your city soon, I'm, I'm just trying to encourage people to just share a little bit of something if they have that desire, yeah. you know, cause I, I, I really can't get to everyone all the time. So yeah, just uh, reach out. I'm, I'm also on all of the apps and, um, not apps, but different platforms like Instagram is Instagram and TikTok is fruit bowl podcast and Twitter is fruit bowl pod. So. Awesome. And we will be on your show during Pride Month. So on June 16th, uh, make sure you check us out on Dave's show. Yes. Yeah. And by people, especially by people in Seattle. Yeah. Get a hold like of Dave. By men. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, our website is gayishpodcast.com. We are also on socials at Gayish Podcast. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails, is 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rates apply. Please leave voicemails for Ma Johnson. Our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. And our physical mailing address is Post Office Box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Now it's time for Gayest and Straightest, sponsored by Spaces. Spaces, a new group chat app for niche queer communities by Hornet. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Cool. Uh, so the gayest thing about me this week, it's, uh, you know, sometimes... Sometimes just go for the obvious. I bought a harness yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be walking the red carpet at the CyberSocket Awards in West Hollywood coming up. And I've been very nervous about like, what am I going to wear to the gay porn awards? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, so bought a harness as part of the ensemble. What kind of harness? Um, it's a uh, the l- 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 leather harness that's uh, it's a bulldog. Is that what they called it? I have no, I'm, I'm not the person. But it has a ring that hangs. Okay. In the front. In the front and in the back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll show it to you. Did you wear it last night to CeCe's? No, I oh, did not. come on. I know, I know, I know. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> um, and fucking Dan helped you. And fucking Dan helped me. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So go at Doghouse Leathers. Go go see go see fucking Dan at Doghouse Leathers. Tell him you want to harness it. It's fun. <laughs> uh, the strangest thing about me this week, Kyle and I went shopping for red carpet outfits. And just there was just one point where I was like, I just, I want to buy this shirt and be done. <laughs> like, just throw money at the problem. And like, I'm like ready to be done it just <laughs> felt very like get me out of the shopping no don't want to mm-hmm. it's yeah i reach a limit where i'm just like okay yeah. i'm done <laughs> yeah brain brain yeah. brain done brain done how about you kyle um i'm going to set a bad example for our guest and just uh we went to fetish night i'd not been for a while um so we went to cc's and um it was just this constant back and forth of feeling gay and feeling straight. We went to a section where we just like sat on our own and being 
and not talking to other people both felt like a little bit gay because it felt a little bit snobby that we weren't like we were just having our like our own section but then we are also weren't socializing which that's more of a straight thing gays should be out and about and like everyone was chatting and mingling and i'm just sitting there like quietly and then like i got a truly which felt like uh, i don't know that felt like uh, uh, all the dudes were like getting like vodka sodas and i'm getting like he was like i don't know like he like the bartender i just assumed had this look of like you're getting like a can or something. Yeah. Okay, whatever. I guess this is easy for me. <laughs> so I felt weird. I I like went to talk to a friend we had and like then got uncomfortable and ran away. So being uncomfortable at fetish night uh, felt like straight thing. But I was like wearing like super short sh- shorty short shorts and had a jock strap on. So I-, I was I was a mess of gay and straight uh, uh, feelings during uh, fetish night all yeah. at once. Yeah, which. <laughs> That's the right place to have oh, those feelings. Yes. And then I went into the bathroom and I'm like, you know, generally like bathrooms should be non-gendered. It's crazy that we like, uh, let's just everyone use the bathroom. And then I went in and the men's toilet was fucking disgusting. <laughs> men don't deserve to share bathrooms with anyone else. Like we need men only bathrooms just because they're so fucking nasty. No one else <laughs> should have to deal with that. I was so grossed out by like the dudes who don't. It was it was it was disgusting. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's, Dave what's your gayest and straightest <laughs> well my gayest and straightest is also the same thing which is people magazine oh <laughs> <laughs> go on well I used to subscribe to entertainment weekly which is very gay um, <laughs> but they ceased their hard like their actual magazine oh. it, they went all online so oh. because of that you get it you automatically get subscribed to people oh, okay. as a sort of a going away gift so <laughs> i get i randomly get people magazine every week and it is both the gayest and the straightest publication like you realize that it's all about all of the celebrities that like gay people care about mm-hmm. but at in almost every single article they are reinforcing heteronormativity <laughs> it's all about somebody's marriage it's all about how perfect their their relationship is now and how they finally found the one and what their marriage was like and and it's like non-stop it's just like oh my god it's like straight people <laughs> doing stuff and having babies it's like exhausting <laughs> um so that yeah people magazine all right that's, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, last week we asked you to fill in the spaces. I want to read uh, uh, my favorite. Yeah. Um, what was the prompt m- again? Moik's Moik's Moik Boik. Mike's voice sounds blank after a night of blank. Great. Uh, favorite is from Chase. Mike's voice sounds worn out after a night of using his mean podcast daddy voice. <laughs> <laughs> Probably true, that one. Um, so, yeah, join us on Spaces, download it, hang out. There's a ton of people there. Um, and fruit bowls on spaces too and fruit bowl. <laughs> you got two podcast groups that you can join right there. Yeah. yeah. And Dave, thank you for being here. Thanks for oh. coming on and, and sharing your expertise with us. <laughs> I don't know about that. For, for, <laughs> for the work you're doing. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah, no problem. And also, thank you to the following people for their expertise. Uh, which is what I call money now. I don't know. Uh, Josh <laughs> Copeland, Forrest Nail, Patrick Martin, uh, Nana Dead Mouse, James Barrow, Steve Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Christopher Farrell, Jamie Pugh, Kevin Henderson, Tipsy McStumbles, Don Alinsky, Dumb Speed, Dusty Sands, A.E. Coleman, Chris Catchstone, Jerome York, and C.N. Ann Javi. Thank you all 
Thank you. A lot. Thank you for your money's mm-hmm. expertise. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Cacciatore Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>